Thank you for listening to Fireside Church Messages. Fireside is a community committed to loving God, loving people, and helping others do the same. To join our live stream services every Sunday or to find out how to get more involved in our community, head to firesidechurch.org. Hey, good morning, Fireside, or whenever you listen to it. I'm glad you're tuning in. Uh, my name's Andy. My wife, Kate, and I, we lead Fireside Church. And um, what a week we've had in our country with the elections uh, increasing. Uh, COVID's been on the increase. And uh, personally, our family, we just have had a, a, a week and, and a half. And as I was you know, looking at this series of tension, I just felt like God placed something totally different on my heart. <laughs> and it's very not typical for me. I, I usually like a preaching schedule and preach that, but I felt like God was bringing me to Matthew 14 when Jesus was walking on the water. And Steve Kobzik preached a great sermon on this in the spring. And so this is kind of a part two to that. And my kids, you know, especially Ellie and Emmy, my, my nine-year-old girl and my seven-year-old girl, they've been listening to the new Elevation Rhythm song, Walking on Water, and they learned all the lyrics and the dances to it. And just, God just put this in my heart over and over and over again. So I, I believe this is the word. This is the word that God has for, for you. This is the word that God has for me. And for us, this week has been just totally, totally crazy and uh, actually, um, I started preaching this, um, and I had to stop it because I got a phone call from our, our hospital, and so I ran inside, stopped it, and just kind of ditched the first part of this sermon, and it was Emmy's doctor. Emmy had a scan. Our seven-year-old has um, a, a thickening of the pituitary stock. They think it was a, a tumor. And it's a watch. And so Friday, the 13th, we had a brain surgery day for her. And um, so we just got the call, like literally like 15 minutes ago, that that surgery has been canceled. <laughs> because that spot that they anticipated to grow um, actually has, has shrunk. And um, so, yeah, I'm coming off that a little bit. <laughs> and... It's amazing. And then Ellie, who's been battling uh, cancer for three and a half years, she just um, found out last week, we just found out that her treatment wasn't working. And she is now starting a new trial <laughs> on Monday. And our prayer is that it works, but that she maintains her strength. We've never seen her strong. She lost from August, in the month of August, she lost about 23% of her weight. And then she gained it all back in this last month and a half, which has been amazing. And so God's present in the midst of all the uncertainty. And, and that's for sure. If you were there at the guys worship night, you, you know, Mike Delaney, Ted Waldron, Josh Nobles kind of spoke some of, of what's going on in their life. And the theme was that God's present in the midst of trials. And so God's present in the midst of storms. So here we go. Jesus walking on water, part 1A, part 2. Um, I'm excited. So let's let's read the word in Matthew chapter 14. And this is just after Jesus has miraculously fed 5, 
thousand men and women and children so it could be in the tens of thousands and and he gets on a boat and if you're following him matthew chapter 14 verse 22 and let's read from there immediately immediately jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd after he had dismissed them this is the crowd that he just fed he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray and i love that we serve a a, a God, Jesus, who modeled the way that he spoke to his Father through prayer, that we can speak to the Father through prayer as well. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. Buffed by the waves because the wind was against it, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when, the, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were, with, were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let's go in prayer. Lord, we read the story and we believe that it's true that you are God who not only walks on water in the storm, but you can calm the storm. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. God, open our hearts right now. At this moment, wherever it may be, whether we'll we be driving a car, cooking a meal, um, sitting with our family, that, Lord, that you would open our hearts and let us receive the word that you have specifically for us today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm excited to preach this morning. Oh man, I'm excited. Um, our one-year-old now, Druby, just turned one a couple days ago on the 4th of November. And Drew is learning how to walk. He can now walk and he's not stable, but he loves this new talent that he has. So any chance that he gets, he wants to walk. And that includes dinner time. And so we put him in his... Um, high chair and the high chair we had did not have straps in it and because it didn't have straps he had the ability to stand up while we ate and so many dinners almost every dinner Kate and I on one side of Drew would eat with one hand on him and the other eating so he would not fall because he refused to sit down he wanted to stand and sometimes he would catch us off guard and he would kind of fall three feet and we would have to catch him. And the thing about uh, uh, Drewby is that he did not care whether you're falling. He was just kind of all over the place. But we would protect him and we would have him stand. And we, as his parents, we never wanted him to fall. But what parent wants your child to fall and hit their head or whatnot? I remember one time actually eating and he fell and I caught him with my leg. See, as a parent, we don't want our kids to fall. And, and I believe that this is true for our father. 
that God does not want us to fall. And I think we need to know this as we go into life with these storms, saying, Jesus saying, I don't want you to fall. I am there to protect you, even though it is hard, there's trials, there's suffering. I am here to catch you like a parent catches their child. So here's a story of Peter falling and Jesus walking on water. Steve in his sermon um, this spring talked about how Jesus, while he was praying, probably saw them struggling in the water. That even though he may not have been physically with them, he was aware of the situation. He was watching them. And I think that's comfort for us that if you win, if or when you're in a storm, that you know that God is present watching and overseeing the whole situation. It's about 3 to 6 a.m. It's the fourth watch of the night. So this is really late or early, however you want to define that. It's time where you should be sleeping. And he comes walking to them. Years ago in, in youth ministry, I showed a clip of Mythbusters talking about walking on water. And we talked about walking on water in, with all the students. And in Mythbusters, if you remember the show on Discovery Channel, they would take something that has been rumored to happen and they would prove that it could or couldn't work. And they would bust the myth. And so... Um, Mythbusters took on walking on water. So they first, they just said, maybe you run fast enough and they sunk. And then they tried to figure out, well, how can we make someone walk on water? And they strapped on these like contraptions to their feet and all these things. And they came to the conclusion that it is impossible to walk on water. And for that, I want to thank Mythbusters because it makes this story more powerful because they have proven that this is a physically impossible act for a human being to do. Jesus did the impossible. And I was, as I was reading this, Peter asked him a question. He sees him because Jesus says, no, it is I. He says, if it's you, tell me to come. I always reflect on this as if Jesus was calling Peter to come to him. It was Peter's idea to go to Jesus. If it's you, tell me to come. See, when you're not sure that the thing in your life that's gotten you terrified is Jesus, ask. <laughs> I know it sounds so simple, but I think this is the reality. Jesus, is this you? Are you at work? And I don't think Peter is testing Jesus. He's checking if it is Jesus. Testing Jesus, we know thou shall not test the Lord. Jesus quotes that when he's being tempted in the desert and Satan says, throw yourself off and let the angels catch you and he says, thou shalt not test the Lord. Testing is kind of pushing God's powers to the limit. No, this is a check. There's a scenario going on and Peter is saying, if this you, like you said it was, tell me to come to you. He's asking him to give him an action plan. 
I think if you are wondering, is Jesus in this? Ask Jesus. And, and, and don't be shy to say, if it's you, then tell me to quit my job. If it's you, tell me to do this. If it's you, tell me to go into rehab. If it's you, because I believe that God will answer you. And Jesus does. And he says, come. Come. Jesus, in the middle of the storm, was telling Peter to come to him. But at the same time, Jesus was coming towards Peter. I don't know if you remember the movie Hitch. Uh, Hitch Will Smith, it's a dating movie. And he teaches, you know, his client how, to, how he should kiss. And I'm not going to go into too many details, but he said, you lean in 50% and then you allow them to lean in the other 50%. And, and the reason is this, because a true relationship requires two parties willing to come close to each other. Peter, I am coming to you guys, but why don't you meet me halfway? You come to me. And as we come closer together, I'm always pursuing you. I'm always coming towards you. And in a relationship, I can't force you coming to me. I can only ask you to come to me. Are you trying to get closer to Jesus? In the middle of these storms, our priority should be, are you going to go toward Jesus? In the midst of the waves, before it calms down, while the wind is flaring and the waves are crashing, ask Jesus and obey him and come towards him. Before COVID-19 broke out, when we were able to gather, remember those days, Steve, who preached this earlier, he and I decided to take six of our kids. I have four, so I took three, leaving Druby at home, ice skating. My mom just had gotten the girls and Blake, my boy, ice skates for Christmas, and they wanted to try it. They've never been ice skating. I'm not really an ice skater. My dad, however, played for the University of Maine hockey team, so he was a born hockey player. Me, I was a basketball player. I played hoops. I know how to skate. I am not that good at skates. So we had the brilliant idea on a, on a nice cold winter day to take our kids to the open skate time at the Graf Rink in Newburyport. And we go and, and the kids are watching with anticipation as they're watching this hockey team finish up. And they're thinking, how hard can it be? So literally, we're taking our kids to walk on water. You know, look at the science. You are actually walking on water, even though it is a little bit colder and frozen. It's walking on water. So we take our kids to go walking on water, thinking this is going to be a blast. They step on the ice and bam, 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 bam. They all fall to the ground. So we, we put them against the wall, right, where you kind of check someone. And we put them against the, the wall of the rink, and they all, and, and they just like hold for dear life, barely able to stand. And I would take one, and I would put them between my legs and skate around, and, and then I would take them off, and then I would skate around, put them back in, take the other one, and then do the same thing, trying to teach them how to skate. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get my skating legs back because it's been years since I've done it. But finally, they start getting it. And 
they would come off the wall and I would say, skate to me. And as a father, what I tried to do was be far enough away that they could have trust to do it themselves. But I was always close enough where if they fall, if they fell, I would catch them. Come to me. And if you fall, I'll catch you. I think Jesus does the same thing in this story, but also in our story. That God wants you to have faith and rely on the faith that he's given you. I've given you the ability to walk on water, to, to weather the storm, to strengthen yourself, to have the peace. I've given you the ability, but if or when you fall, I am close enough to catch you. And the question is this. If you fall, have you gone toward Jesus where you're close enough where he is within reaching distance? Our, our pursuit to come towards him is because when we fall, we're close enough to him where he can catch us. Peter didn't jump ship the other way and start swimming away. His destination was Jesus. And he got close enough where Jesus could catch him. And as he was walking, he's looking around and he starts focusing on the fears. And the realities of the world start sinking in. I think the same is true in my life, you know. There are times in my life where I can just be so focused on my faith and on what Jesus has done that it doesn't matter what doctors say, it doesn't matter what's happening in our country, it doesn't matter that we can't gather, that I believe God's going to grow fireside, I believe that God's going to heal my daughters, I believe that God's going to do great things, and I'm all raring to go, and then all of a sudden I start getting distracted, and I think, wait a minute, the doctor said that there's no hope. Wait a minute people are starting to murmur that we'll never gather again and then they're going to stop being a part of Jesus uh, of fireside or well, wait a minute this and, and then all of a sudden things start to um, get in my way and my focus right you know what I'm talking about all these realities of the world start to sink in and when the realities of the world and the fears of the world start sinking in that's when you start sinking in but rest assured that Jesus is still there to catch you when the fear starts sinking in you start sinking in but Jesus will lift you up and so as you're focusing on Jesus just remember that it doesn't matter the fears that you know the psalmist says I shall fear no bad news that God is my strength it doesn't matter what the world says that if it's out of your control it's in his control and don't let the fears take you down and I want us to recognize that this was not to give Peter walking water capabilities. That he did not inherit the gift to walk on water. That he could go and now he is, sees a puddle, a lake, an ocean. He's like, I can just walk across it. This is not the point. The, the, the point was not the transportation. The point was the transformation. That God uses different things in our life, different ways, different methods. 
We know that Peter later, when Jesus was resurrected, he was on the beach. And he calls to his disciples who are on a boat. What does Peter do? Like this story, he jumps out of the boat. But this time he doesn't walk in water. He gets soaked. And he comes running to Jesus, drenched. See, he didn't have water-waking capabilities yet because the point wasn't to give him water-waking capabilities. The point is like, I can calm the storm. I can, you know, be, you can have the faith that I want you to have that you can walk on water. The point was not the transportation. The point was his transformation. God uses different methods for miracles all the time. And in fact, he usually doesn't do the same thing every time. And and this is for me, right? I'm always trying to crack the code, the the formula. We talked about this a little, a few weeks ago. There's no formula to our faith. It's just to follow. And what that follow is, and we start thinking, well, if I go to church this amount of time, if I give this much, if I do this many good deeds, then, then the things that I'm asking God to do will do. There's no formula. It's just about following. This is one of the reasons why I could not stand algebra when I was in high school. See, algebra would often give you the answer And then you would have to solve the problem. That made no sense to me. Here's the answer. And now you got to find what A is. I'm like, no, no, no. All I want to know is the answer. And so the same thing is with our faith. God has given you the answer. I will be your source of peace. I will give you the strength. I will be with you. I will never forsake you. I will deliver you. I am your answer. There's no formula to work out. You could look back and you could say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. God did this last time, so why does he do it this time? You you can't predict God's plans. God may be predictable in his outcome, but his ways are unpredictable. I do this all the time, and I know you do it. You look at someone else's story, and you almost anticipate or you predict that same story to happen in your life. I think we take stories and they can provide hope for us, but we also have to recognize that God has a lot of ways to do his way. He doesn't like to have you fall into this trap of making a formula. He's like, I just want you to follow and that to look differently than you would than you could ever imagine. Because his ways are greater eyes. This is what Isaiah the prophet says in chapter 55, verse 8. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Basically he's saying, like, my ways are way better than your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. You think you got good ways? As far as the heavens are above the earth, we don't even know, but I'm telling you, that is a lot. My ways are so much bigger, so much more bigger than you could even imagine than your ways. And my thoughts are the same, as big. You don't want me to do your way. We don't want me to do your plan. Because I see the big picture. My ways are bigger. 
And I delight, I think God delights in doing it differently. There's a million ways he could save you in whatever situation that you're in. <laughs> he has so many different ways that at the end you could look back and you probably can do this in your own life. You could look back at your life and think, I see how God delivered me. I could have never planned that and never even thought of that. You know, maybe it's how you met a spouse for those of you who are married. You said, there's just no way that I could plan that because his ways are so much bigger. You know, he could let us walk on water, but maybe he puts you in a position where there's a sea in front of you and there's an enemy behind you like the Israelites were. And he didn't give them all water-waking capabilities. What he did was he actually parted the water so they could walk on solid ground. That's a different way. Remember Jonah, Jonah the prophet. He runs away from what God's calling them to do. And he says, throw me in the water, throw me in the storm. And they, he, they throw him in thinking he's going to die. And God saves him. How? By a fish that swallows him up and then spits him on dry ground three days later. Now, that is an unimaginable way of saving him. You have Paul, he's on a boat, and they're in for weeks, they're getting tossed and turned, and the ship actually collapses and they float to a little island called Malta. He gives him enough strength to sustain every man on that ship and they go to Malta. And you know, there's so many ways that God can save us. His ways are infinite. So don't think that God didn't do it this way that I was planning for, that I was predicting, that I was hoping for and say, it's done. There is no other way. Don't minimize God. He has so many ways Millions of ways, ways that you can't even imagine in your human brain. His ways are so much higher than our ways. He could part the sea. He could give you water weight, keeping water walking capability. He give you a jetpack. He could just soar across. He could do whatever he wanted to. And I think he delights in that and saying, watch this. You're not going to see this one coming. It's going to be bigger than you ever thought. Watch how I'm going to deliver you from this one. I could spread the water open. I could give you walking capability. I could do whatever you wanted me to do. And then at the end, he comes on board. And they're in awe. They just witnessed something pretty big. And they say, truly, truly, you are the son of man. And I got to be honest. Of this line that they say, and this whole passage is one of the lines that disturbs me the most. Because it's this when they say, truly you are a son of the man, as if this is the first time they saw Jesus do something big. If you read Matthew 14 and backtrack to Matthew 1, you will see that Jesus has already calmed the storm. He's sleeping at the stern and he calms the storm. If you're watching Fireside Kids in the cartoons, Jesus stands up and says, oh, shush, 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 and the storm calms down. And they say, who is this man where the winds and the waves obey him? You see him heal the demon possessed. You see he makes the paralyzed walk. You see he makes the blind man see. This is all in Matthew. 
you see that a dead girl that is in a coffin on her funeral, he comes over, he puts his hand on the coffin, and she rises from the dead. This happened in Matthew before he walked on water. All these things happen, and now they're saying, truly you are the Son of Man. And I'm not even including you the stories that Mark and John and Luke have before this same story happens. They have seen miracle after miracle, but yet they still say, truly you are the Son of Man, as if they are surprised after they've seen a girl raised from the dead and the blind man see and the paralyzed walk and all those other things. And I'm thinking, why? Why? I just want to see one. Haven't you said to yourself, Jesus, if you can just do this, then I will say truly you are the Son of Man. And I, I want to encourage you to look back in your life and see the things that God has done in your life. That I say, do you see this time? Do you see when I did this? Do you see when this happened? We, we came to this same place only a year ago where you said, if you do this, and I did that, but yet you're still asking for me to reveal myself to you. God's not going to give up revealing himself to you. When we don't get it, or maybe we just get closer, he reveals more. Closer, he reveals more. God is a God who wants to continually, in the process of transformation, reveal who he is. I can raise the dead. I can make the blind man see. I can calm the storm. And I can walk with you in the storm. I have infinite amount of ways and so many more that you will never see in your lifetime. And I just want to keep revealing myself to you over and over. And we know that Peter, even after this, even after he walks on water, yet he still denies Jesus three times. He still says some really bogus things where you're like, Peter, seriously, what are you doing? You see Peter and Paul get into big arguments because Peter wasn't really accepting those who were outside of Jewish culture and he's still not getting it and God's still at work in him. And guess what? He's still at work in you. So open your eyes that he would keep revealing himself to you over and over and over again. And don't let the realities and the fears of this world start sinking in. But keep your focus on Jesus so you don't start sinking in. But when you do, get yourself so close to Jesus that he would be, that you would fall into his arms. Meaning, just keep going towards him. Keep walking towards him. Psalm 37, verse 23 says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. This is something that we've been dealing with as we try to figure out next steps for our daughter's treatment. Is that I don't know if it's going to work or not, and that's not the point. The point is, I just want to be directed by God, so I want God to guide us. And I do believe that these treatments that didn't work in the past, I do believe that God has led us to do those even though they didn't work. Just because there was peace about it, there was revelation about it. Let him direct your steps. And then it says he delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, 
they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. This was written years before Peter ever took a step on the scene. And what a great visual the story is for exactly what the psalmist says, is that though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. I hope this encourages you as you listen to this, especially for those of you who are in storms. Ask God, if this is you, tell me to come and go towards him. And put your focus on your faith and a focus on Jesus and don't let the realities and the fear start sinking in so you will be start sinking in. No, just go towards him and reach your hand to him. Get close to him. He's real. He's alive. He's at work in you. He's walking with you. He is delivering you. His ways are greater than your ways. So if your ways don't work out, don't be so discouraged knowing that God has millions and millions of ways to deliver you from that circumstance. Don't put them in a box. This summer, I had the privilege of speaking to a group of uh, students in this music camp and it ended up being a virtual thing but it was such a blessing and a celloist named Sue Bay um, coordinated and leads this school and through a friend we got to know each other and they're joining us on this journey and she's just a phenomenal musician and she sent me a piece that was done that she did um, playing the cello of the Hillsong song, Still. And the one of the verses says, I will soar with you above the storm. And so I asked her, can I show this? Because every time I listened to it, I would get emotional. Because of the lyrics, but just because of the celloists and this idea that God is with us in the storm and he is giving us walking water capabilities when we put our eyes on him. So I wanna close you with this song still. But before we go into that, I just wanna pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your, your numerous amount of ways that you can deliver us from each situation. And so Lord, we just trust in your plans, not ours. You are a God of the miracles, Lord. You are a God who is bigger than anything and everything in this world. So Jesus, let our eyes be focused on you, not on the fears, Lord. And let us not sink, but let us take you and draw close to you, Jesus, in the midst of the storm. And as you in your name we pray, amen. Let your hearts be open as you listen to this amazing piece.